The Start. On Demand. demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Thursday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today we are going to talk about the controversy over Baby It's Cold Outside. As it has made its way into Canada, many Canadian radio stations from many companies have pulled it from its airwaves, including our company, Chorus Entertainment. We have a Christmas station down the hall, Peggy at 99.1. Well, it's not a Christmas station, but they're playing all Christmas music for the season. They are one of a handful of stations on Chorus and a whole bunch of stations across the country, like I said, through other companies that don't play the song anymore because it's controversial, at least seen through a 2018 lens. We're going to tell you why we disagree with that, and we have all sorts of feedback on that topic, so lots to discuss when it comes to that. We're also going to talk about getting sick, and who is the bigger whiner? Do men whine more when they get sick, or do women whine more? We have a spirited discussion about that. We're also going to look at the schmozzle of construction at Pemina and Jubilee and the underpass. And it's going to be even worse this weekend because they are shutting it down this weekend and next as they continue to work on the BRT. And finally, do Canadian schools need more recess? We start this hour with this. Do I like the melody? Sure, it's fun, but I can't comment on the lyrics. Don't remember them, sorry. Yeah, I think we're being overly sensitive. Yeah, that's very silly. I really love that song. I don't think that they should be pulling a song that's been around for so long because they're trying to look for a reason to pull it, I guess. They're just looking too deep into the lyrics. I think people are putting too much into it. It's a different time when it came out. I've heard the one with the woman doing all that, so. I think in the spirit of the holidays, we just need to relax. Mackling, what are they talking about here? Baby, it's cold outside. And uh, I think we're all three of us shocked to learn this morning that our parent company has decided to pull the plug on that. Well, my first on playing that reaction song. was when Cleveland did it. I was like, okay, well, if they've got listeners that are upset, I guess go for it. Then I had heard a couple of the competitors had done it, and I thought, okay. And then when I heard that our own, I thought, well... I, uh, Weren't you laughing at them well, I don't for know. capitulating in that fashion? Well, I don't even know I was laughing. I, just, I was. I, it's not, it's kind of, it gets to the point where it's, it, it's an interesting conversation and then it's not funny. Like, are we going too far with some of these things when it comes to taking a song that was written in 1938, I think, went to, it was it in a movie or something in the early 1940s or a show, uh, a parlor song, they called it. And now we're going to apply like a 2018 lens on a song from 70, 80 years ago. I mean, I can admit there are some things you can't unsee, right? Once you digest it and you go through it, we spoke about it Monday morning, Brett, you and I, and we both kind of admitted, yeah, it's kind of the lyrics are sort of creepy in a certain context. But you've heard me use this terminology before, Brett, the idea of a forensic audit on our social media. How many of us could survive a forensic audit of every email, every text message, every Facebook or Twitter post that you've ever put out and have some people, someone not find something offensive about something that you've said or done? And this is what we're doing here. We're trying to go back and scrutinize this song under a lens, under a different purview. And I don't know we can do that. 
Well, we would have to we'd have to scrub a third of the songs that are played on radio right now if we went and we scientifically determined what the songs were actually trying to say. Well, let's start with just this song though. So it's maybe it's cold outside, and Brett, you were listening to some conversation this morning about like the the history is there history what the, where it came from and the phrases that were in it. Yeah, well, in the shift with Drex, he spoke with Greg Fish from uh, an organization called Rant Media, and we don't have to play the the, the full clip here. But the, essentially what he was talking about is the context of the song in that time. Like there's the lyric I think that is really questionable is what's in this drink. And people would say that at that time is like a Freudian slip. Like if they said something that maybe they shouldn't, then they'd say, oh, what's in this drink? He, he, tea, he. It was almost like a, like a way to cover what they were saying. And that's controversial. It's, it's controversial right now because... It's controversial because I suppose the uh, the like implication is or, yeah that yeah, the like drink the, what it, what did you put in this drink what did you put in the drink to what get are you here? trying to get me to do right and uh, so people would just it was a, it was almost a way that would allow them to say things that maybe they shouldn't say and that entire song is about what she ought to be doing this is a woman who wants to be there but she knows she shouldn't because at that time it was highly. Uh, controversial for a woman to be wanting the same thing that a man or might is want. she being coerced to be there that's the well that's, that's the that's, that's the interpretation the, now that's the interpretation now that they're in this world of consent is everything that she's been slowly like worked into the room to stay there and to spend the night yeah and on the other side is that no that's what you had to do this dance so that it wasn't obvious that you wanted to sleep with someone well here's alan cross ongoing history of new music he also spoke on the shift with drex it was never the intention of the song to be rapey although i can see why people would would suggest that that it does in this day and age but when we take a piece of art, like a song, out of the context in which it was originally written and intended to be consumed, then you have a problem because now you start looking at everything with that sort of jaundiced eye. Now, there are songs that we should never sing again. There are many racist and sexist songs that deserve to be you know, confined to history. But this song, it seems like a pretty innocuous thing to me, especially when you consider the context. There are other things I think we should be more worried about other than a song that seems to come out every November, December. And it's not even a Christmas song. It's a winter song. All right, all right. It's not a Christmas song. Fine. We it's, get a, it. it's a song of the season. Yeah, this is when we play it, right? Yeah. Predominantly, and this is when it's heard. We're talking, I think, a lot about coded language here, right? And how do you deal with that coded language? And it wasn't just in the 30s and the 40s where there was coded language. In our time dating, Brett, there's been coded language. <laughs> So, uh, thanks for dinner. It was great. Okay. <laughs> we should do this again. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? Oh, no, thanks. I can't drink coffee late at night. It keeps me up. <laughs> you idiot, George! So, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, take it easy. Take it right. easy. Right? We've all been there. Yeah. Where it's like, mm, not sure where this is at. And then you get a clear signal, although it's in code. Yep. You should be able to decode it and you don't. Well, isn't, 
or from my understanding, the phrase Netflix and chill, let's Netflix and chill is let's, chill is something else. Let's chill is not just hanging on the couch. I learned that the hard way. Uh, or the good way? I no, I learned it the hard way. I said, because I thought it just meant let's watch a movie and hang out. <laughs> oh, you said it. Yeah. I oh, said, boy, let's Netflix just and chill. Out there. And, uh, and oh my God, I was it was not that well. <laughs> Did you get rebuffed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hard. How like, dare what, you what, ask what, me that? You don't even know me. It yeah, wasn't me. Like, I'm just I kidding. I just want to watch a movie. That's it. But, uh, Whoops! So I didn't. I wasn't hip to the the, the language, so there to speak. You go. But I think you're making a point. It is about. Was it about the the kind of the way things are done right. at the time versus uh, a forced conversation of luring the woman into the home Once to have again, sex? I with wasn't him. there. I don't know. But in trying to do our homework, I try and bring it to sure. to today. And I know that we still struggle with the idea of being open and honest about where we are in our relationships and, and telling someone, hey, you know what? Maybe we should sleep together tonight. Nobody's saying that. Yeah, no, and it's got, you have to dance around it. Just for example, I've, now I've put... A poll on this question on our 680CJOB Twitter, on our 680CJOB Instagram story, and on Facebook. And so far, five people have voted for, yeah, it's a creepy song. 192 people say, no, it's stupid to pull it. And the question of the day at CJOB.com, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Piggybacks on something you said, Greg, about that forensic audit. Uh, forensic audit. Since Canadian radio stations have pulled Baby It's Cold Outside, should they be pulling other classic songs that could be considered questionable? And so far at CJOB.com, 100% say no, they'd have to pull half their library, which means 0% have said yes, there are many songs that are too creepy for 2018. You can log on to CJOB.com. Mackling McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. And we want to continue our debate. Well, it's not really, hasn't really been a debate this morning, but uh, certainly a lot of people angry across this country over the decision by radio stations owned by, for example, our own company, Chorus Entertainment, which run, has a number of stations that are playing all Christmas music right now, including Peggy at 991. Chorus has pulled Baby It's Cold Outside, Bell Media, Rogers, and CBC. They've all pulled it after a Cleveland radio station started this. They pulled the song because of the Me Too movement, citing concerns over the lyrical content. For example, there's one line in there that says, oh, what's in this drink? So... We've been asking you what you think on various social media platforms this morning. And on uh, just for example, looking at our Instagram poll, uh, we have so far 11% say that it's okay. 89% say it's dumb. On Twitter or Facebook, it was 98% say, no, it's stupid to pull it. 2% say, yeah, it's a creepy song. And then looking at Twitter, we have a poll up there as well. And I'm just scrolling down to that right now. And so far, 95% say it is stupid to pull it. And then the question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Since Canadian radio stations have pulled Baby It's Cold Outside, should they be pulling other songs? That could be considered questionable. Right. And so far, 90% say no. They'd have to pull half their library. And 10% say yes, there are many songs that are too creepy for 2018. Well, 
And Greg Macklin currently is <laughs> funneling. He's paper at me right now. But well, I wish it was TV right now. My jaw Be- is dropping. Why, Loren? Because Greg has passed along lyrics to well, at least two songs that I have sang with abandon or I thought I knew the words, but I clearly don't. And some of them are old, so fine. But they get played all the time, and I never even knew what was in them. Like, my jaw just greased lightning. Mm-hmm. I hate that song anyway. Well, okay, but it gets because it's overplayed and shows yeah. up at socials and yeah. things like that, and people scream along to it. And they, but they scream along to it. Do they know the words, Greg? I think they do not. Okay. I, I can't even re- repeat. You can't even read some of it, actually. Can't even read. No. Uh, three lines in particular that you cannot read. Uh, three words that we're not allowed to say on the radio. Yep. And I know I heard Grease Lightning. I know I heard that song on the radio when I was a kid at the height of its popularity. Was there a radio edit? I suppose that there was. Mm -hmm. So that just highlights the fact that there are lines for radio, CRTC, and personal choice or, or corporate choice in terms of how to present those songs. How about the who? Who are you? There's a very famous line in there with the F word. Mm-hmm. Some radio stations play it without concern. But the, there's a difference between the swear, like the, what we're talking about with this conversation of baby, it's cold outside is a conversation of the connotations, what's being suggested and what's, what are, you know, we, we talk all the time. If kids are hearing lyrics or playing video games, what is that suggesting or what are they learning so from it? So we're talking about connotation versus outright blatant expletives, expletives right. Right. So, that we seem to, at times, blur, choose to ignore. Right. So the grease lighting thing, which I can't read, is that the car is kind of a pseudonym for... Something else. So I would a urge chick magnet. A chick, but I, that, I got that. I understood that the car was going to draw people, but they're talking about the things they're going to do in that car, mm-hmm. which I did not pick up on. So that's one song everyone should go re- read the lyrics of. Uh, but you've got more, Greg. Yeah, well, Brown Sugar. Well, I'm going to just play a little bit because sure. I love the lick. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm quoted as saying for years now, it's not a party until you play the Stones. So I guess it's officially a party now on the start. Yeah, works for me. But the lyrics... It's all about slavery and slave ownership, uh, references very distinctly, uh, black women, and the line that I didn't realize was in there. Like you say, you sing along, right? And you go, did you realize what you were singing? Right. Didn't realize till the first time I did it karaoke style with Daryl Van Herxen one day. Oh, this is back in the early 1990s. Hear him whip the women just around midnight. We sing it. We sing along with it, but do we understand the connotation behind it and the meaning of the song and where the song lives? I think a lot of times we're guilty of just sing along, pour right. some sugar on me. And Woohoo! That's sounds great. An older song, so you're you, are you would want to allow for the fact that okay, we're talking about a different era because with the baby, it's cold outside. We're we, not we, doing that. We're not doing that. It's from 1930s, 40s. And we, we're not, we're just decided to look at it through a 2018 lens. I've got a song, if you just want to play, it's in there, uh, Brett, it's by Taylor Swift, and there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans out there. Um, and it's called Revenge. So I just wanted to bring this up because I've listened to it before, not really thought much about it. And she has a line in there that talks about uh, the person she's singing about who took her boyfriend is not an actress. She's better known for the things she does on the mattress. And I never heard that. And then someone pointed out to me is like, that's well, now we're going to just shame someone for their 
sexual proclivities. Like it, there's all these little things that are happening in songs of current artists. It's been going on for decades, right? You heard the, you know, KISS stands for Knights and Satan's Service. And uh, ACDC is really just a subliminal message uh, around homosexuality and all these different things that you heard when you were kids that uh, true or, or otherwise were out in the, were out People discussing it, thinking that, right. taking it for 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 fact. Well, you mentioned ACDC, and <clears throat> you can all, virtually all of their songs are sexual. And uh, one that comes to mind, for example, is "Hard as a Rock." And uh, I'll, here are some of the lyrics: "A rolling rock, electric shock. She gives a licking that doesn't stop. Oh boy! She line them up, push you around. Smoke and rings go round and round. Her hot potatoes will elevate you." Her bad behavior will leave you standing proud, hard as a rock. Like, they're barely even concealing the fact that... They're not concealing it, but I actually have never even stopped and heard it that way. Like, when you slow it down and just read the lyrics... Yeah. She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. Really? You know, that's on rock stations all across the world without any consideration for what's being discussed there whatsoever. Yeah, and, and most songs are innuendos for... As Borat would say, sexy time. <laughs> so let's continue the conversation in a moment because one of our colleagues sent us, and many of our listeners as well have sent us, since you don't like this particular song of the season, what about all these other Christmas songs and what's wrong with them? So we'll go through some of those. Macklin McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. We're talking about Baby It's Cold Outside. It's a song that was pulled by a Cleveland radio station. Greg and I first told you about that on Monday, and now multiple Canadian radio stations have followed suit, including radio stations owned by our company, Chorus Entertainment. They have a number of radio stations playing all Christmas music right now, including our friends down the hall at Peggy at 99.1 and... Baby It's Cold Outside is no longer in the rotation there as deemed by the parent company, Chorus Entertainment. So we're wondering what you think about it. And so far, all of our polls are heavily in favor, like landslide in favor of the fact that they think that this is stupid because this is a song that was written in the 1940s, but some are saying today that it's inappropriate for today based on the lyrical content. Uh, But again, context is everything. We heard Alan Cross talking about how context is everything. And as well, the line... Ooh, what's in this drink is something you might say after you've said something maybe you shouldn't have, something a little risque. So it's where you, like even Drex, uh, the shift with Drex, he gave the the example. And actually, I think I'm just going to try to pull it up here because illustration better than explanation. Here's what he had to say. Obviously, for mine, and then they're all drinking. Oh, right, okay, right. And, and it's a nice little throwaway, too, because you might be smack-talking somebody and go, oh, that Carol, she's a bit of a cow. Oh, what's in this drink? What, about, what am I drinking? Good heavens. Yeah. So right. it's like an LOL or we do it all the time in text messaging where you where you throw something out, you wait for a response and then perhaps you backtrack a little bit either with a, some sort of emoji mm-hmm. or, or something. It might have been just a similar conversation yeah. or just kidding. Yeah. I, and when we go through the lyrics of some of these songs, like I was saying a few minutes ago that my jaw dropped actually reading the lyrics for Grease Lightning. I'm not suggesting we stop playing that song unless you just hate it like Brett does. Yeah. I, I'm saying, holy cow. 
I had no idea those were the words and I've been singing it for decades. And so it's about the idea of like, if you're okay with that, if you're not okay with that, that's fine. But pause for a second and think about all the songs that A, have the obvious and B, the ones that don't, that might have the subliminal that you're not even stopping to think about. Back in the day, the Guess Who went to go play the White House at the B behester the request of of one of the Nixon girls I think it was Patricia Nixon wanted them to come and play at the White House when they got there they were told you're not allowed to play American right. Woman because it was seen as anti-American and anti-war song and it wasn't that it was basically Burton Cummings reacting to the fact that you know how beautiful Canadian women are and and other connotations it had nothing to do with it and then a, a song that I know I've heard a, million politicians, and I'm exaggerating to make a point, play at their rallies in the United States, born in the USA, is decidedly anti-American, anti-establishment. It's anti-Vietnam War and the plight of Vietnamese vets when they came back from Vietnam, but has been held up as this anthem for America. Read the words. Just a couple of, uh, there's a meme that's going around now as a result of this. Since WDOK in Ohio decided to pull Baby It's Cold Outside, I feel that these other holiday songs must also be removed, as they are offensive as well. One, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, subjecting minors to softcore porn. Holly Jolly Christmas, kiss her once for me, unwanted advances. White Christmas, racist. Santa Claus is coming to town, sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake. Peeping Tom Stalker. That's my favorite. Yeah, now Santa's a peeping Tom Stalker. I know it's in jest, but still. Santa Baby, Gold Digger, Blackmail, Frosty the Snowman, Sexist, Not a Snow Woman. Where's the equality? And the list goes on and on and on. Obviously, it's very tongue-in-cheek, but I, the point is loud and clear that they're they're... I'm all for, like, we had that discussion just a couple of weeks ago. Little people of Manitoba came under fire Mm -hmm. for pointing out the fact that they don't want the M word, as they call it, used in sports. And a lot of people pushed back on that. But that is something that is genuinely offensive to that organization and to little people everywhere. And people took umbrage with that. But this is a song, this is different. This is a song that was written in 1940 or the 1940s, and the historical context is being interpreted through a 2018 lens, and people are... uh, they see things in sound bites. They don't take the whole, the, the big picture into consideration. And uh, I think it's overblown. I don't like it at well, all. It's, is it political correctness gone too far? And that's what, when we had that conversation about the, the use of the word um, midget and the little people conversation, that there was people writing in saying, we've gone too far, we're being too politically correct. I disagreed then. I would agree with that now in the pulling of this song. Mackling McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. Want to talk right now about who is the bigger whiner when it comes to being sick. And the reason why we're having this conversation, and kind of throwing her under the bus here, but uh, she she allowed it. My girlfriend is sick right now. She's got a really sore throat, and I feel bad for her. But she uh, the other day, just yesterday, she must have said to me 15 times in two hours, I'm sick. I don't feel good. She gave you the green light for that impression? Yep. Wow. Well, maybe not that, but uh, I'm banking on the fact that she might not be listening right now. And she keeps saying, I know I'm whining a lot, but uh, it just got me thinking, you know, uh, who whines more? Because I think the stereotype, 
at least based on what we see in advertising, is that it's men who whine more. So I wanted to, to put it to you, McNabb, because you are currently sick and you are powering through it like a champion and good for you. But uh, what's your experience on this? My experience is that I, I feel the opposite, like that women would whine less. And the men in my household are rarely sick, so I don't, I, I don't have a lot to draw on from there. But I have two brothers. Uh, whenever they were sick, my dad, it just felt like you heard about it so, so much more. Like the just, just even an average, maybe it was because it didn't happen often. And suddenly it was just like everything had to stop to take care for that moment. And it's like, I feel like women will work through nine days of having a cold and you won't even hear about it. Or at least they'll be at work. Oh, yeah. Based on my experience, I got a You're strong... You're the opposite, leader. hey? Well, here's the thing. My, uh, my mom... She uh, she could she had back problems. She had kidney stones. Her her threshold for pain astounded me and my family to no end. But when she got a cold, she became the whiniest baby on the planet. That's funny. My ex girlfriend, when she was sick, she might as well have been crippled, bedridden. She was uh, a super crybaby. And now, as I pointed out, my current girlfriend is a huge crybaby. And uh, when I get sick now, again, and when I say these things, I'm not saying this applies to everyone. For sure. Uh, when I get sick, I tend to get really sick because, I, I, as I pointed out, I'm allergic to life, so I'm already blowing my nose a lot. So when I get sick, it's amplified huge. So maybe my train, maybe I'm trained because of my allergies to just try to suck it up. I just try to say, well, I'm sick, nothing I can do about it. Right. I just got to deal with it and uh, and move on. What about you, Mackling? Well, here's the thing. I, I like... I like to have my opinion on things, but I also like facts yeah. and also like statistics. And Stanford University School of Medicine, in fact, proved that men get sicker than women. Really? When they get the flu. They did a study was released last year. And so if men are whining more, there's good reason for it, Loren. But they're looking at, you know what? I went looking too because I knew you would do this. Stanford also <laughs> did a review of 11,000 medical records yeah. and then discovered that women feel pain more intensely. Therefore, we might have a reason to pay, to complain. Wow. Yeah, let's duel. Let's just pull out dueling Stanford well, okay, uh, but stats. Your, content, your contention, though, and I just want to make sure that we're clear here. Your contention is that women have the right to be whinier based on that study, but they are not. We, we're only if we're whining, we're whining because it hurts more than what you're dealing with, and so you might be dealing with just like a, like a. So you're playing your, both sides against the middle. Tickle in the nose. Oh. You contend that and women don't I'm whine near, as I'm much. I'm walking, I'm knocking on death door, and so you know, I, I get to whine a little bit. Well, here's another thing too, and I, again, like this is just based on my my observation in the 14 years that I've worked here, but in general, uh, my female colleagues have called in sick more often. Than my male I colleagues. I'm literally going to email HR right now and that, see if no, they can hey, give because me that of stat. colds. Yeah, colds. Uh, and because of colds back. or because of like bigger issues. Uh, colds. I know not. I'm not. I'm just talking about colds. I'm not talking about other things that are going on. If there's other things, great. But if it's when it comes to colds, uh, just from my observation, and again, I'm not saying this applies to the general <laughs> population. And in, I didn't. I don't have an official count. This is just my observation. And uh, yeah, like I've called in sick twice. Once was for a strep throat, and not because it was sore, but because I was physically unable to speak. And I know Jeff, you uh, in recent in the last year or so, you had a sore throat to the point where you couldn't speak. Uh, yeah, I missed one or two days because of a sore throat. Yeah. That's a good memory. I don't even remember that, but yeah, I think he you're right. You. And, and you were told 
to stay home because you you came to work and you tr- you yeah. toughed through it. It's hard to call in sick at three thirty in the morning because who's going to do your job, right? So yeah, but yeah, I came in and then I turned around and went home. Yeah, but I don't know. I I I'm how are you noticing who's all been calling in sick for what all these yeah, years? You're making well, lists. I, well, I, and I don't I don't want to call out coworkers. <laughs> I don't want to call, but I want to back up Brett because I was the swing guy for a long time around here and would get calls at seven o'clock, six o'clock in the morning to do a show that day for people that were sick. And it was quite way more often for female colleagues than for male colleagues. That's because once a month, women are already coming to work once a month, every month of every year of their life for something that would push you guys. You you don't even know. I'm just saying that we're already dealing with like five to seven days per month of... Something that you wouldn't this be able like to This is like the Montreal Canadiens fan so thing where, like cold, look at the banners. Look I would banners. also suggest that some people might call in and say, I- I've got a cold, I'm not coming in. When they have some other medical problem that they just don't want Brett to broadcast on the air, so they just say <laughs> they have a cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just, just going to put that down in my little journal. I've got a journal of uh, people are getting sick, and now Jeff goes into my journal, just the uh, the list. You're on the list, as Jericho oh, would say. Uh, Mike has texted us saying, of course men whine more. We get man colds. Look up the YouTube video, and I think I am familiar yeah, with not, this. That's BS. Yeah. Trish says on it. the other flip side, on the other side of this, it has to be men are bigger whiners. I work with my partner in construction. We could have the same illness, and he will stay home while I go to work. Well, good for you, Trish. I salute you for that. And that leads to another another uh, part of the discussion as well. Uh, and I'm noticing a shift in that there are some of the the more old school people here will drag themselves to work unless they are like dying or feel like they're dying or, or don't just have can't, a voice. Can't do it. Yeah, like I said, I, I stayed. I had to stay call in sick because I couldn't. I just couldn't speak. My right. voice was gone. But two months ago, when I first started and I lost my voice, I was coming into work until the boss phoned and said, Go "Like, on. do not come into work tomorrow. That's not helping." You or anyone, but but your desire is to just not like I I will call in sick when it's legitimately, and I find for for me I don't I don't call in sick anymore because you you have kids that are going to get sick and so you're saving your sick days for when your kids get sick. So I think that might be my what's happening in many homes more than anything else. It might be calling in because somebody else in your home isn't well. That's a good. So point. you've powered through seven days of a cold. Now your kids have the cold. They got to stay home. So you stay home with them. Yeah, that's the other side of two parents working, right? Is mm-hmm. the logistics of when the kids get sick. It throws such a wrench in your day and in your and in your life. It's unbelievable. And you know, I've been clamoring for us to be more responsive when things are bad on the roads and snow emergencies and stuff. That would just throw the world into chaos for a lot of people canceling school and not canceling work. Like mm-hmm. There's a balance there that a lot of people have to uh, maintain. And another thing too is like a, when you're sick, you are entitled. Like you sh- There should be no problem with you calling in sick. We all get sick days and if I've got a bad cold, I should have the right to, to stay home. For me, I just, I, I can't, I feel guilty, but right. there are others who will say, no, I've got the, t-, you know, I, hey, I'm sick, I'm staying home, I don't want to get anybody else sick, I deserve to be able to stay home and get That's better. what should happen, because there's nothing worse than someone who's really gross and drippy coming into work, and you just look at them and like, hey, thanks a lot for spreading that to the rest of us. Right. Just stay home. I would much rather do 20% more work to help fill someone else's shift than 
have to listen to them snort and snuff and we need to get that message out way more often right because that is the instinct i think of most people is to push through it except for if you've ever had an employer uh, who's come to you then in the in the past and you're says need a note. You've, you've used a lot of your sick days or you're at 90% of your sick days. Or you days. don't have any. There are a lot of people don't have sick days. I'm, I we am, don't have a count, do we? Well, Jeff, no. I will apply, uh, apologize because I am that guy who comes in snorting and blowing my nose and I'm coughing and I'm gross. But yeah, that's we all complain has, about you behind your But back. no one ever says, Brett, go home. No <laughs> no one has ever told me, Brett, go home. They it's uh, they see how, how bad I sound and how bad I look, but no management here has ever said, Brett, get out of here. Until, um, until your voice is an absolute distraction on the air, they won't. Yeah. That's what happens to me, too. I've had the sorest, like, razor blade sore throats. And I've complained to the boss, hoping he'd say, go home. And he'd just say, you sound great. Who was that, Vic Grant? Nope. Okay. Well, well, we'll just, just leave it at that. First he, has, first he has a list of coworkers, and now he's going to call out uh, former bosses. It, well, it, excuse me, he doesn't work here anymore. So <laughs> it's okay. I said former. It wasn't him. It really wasn't him. Okay. We start this hour... Uh, Loren McNabb, you know, I was driving the other day through that Pemina Jubilee underpass stuff, and I thought... I wonder what would happen if they just shut this down for a few days, and then a couple of days later we got the note from the city that we're going to shut this down yeah. for a few days. And they have done that a few times, I think, over the years while they do the construction on the uh, bus rapid transit because they just allows them to do the work more quickly. Did you see the images from Alaska? Of course, they had that 7.0 earthquake mm-hmm. and their images on social media and the news where they had this road with a gigantic gigantic amount of damage. It was a big cavern and the everything was collapsed. And in five days, they had it fixed. Mm. Yeah. Well, what's happening this weekend, I think, is super complicated because it involves more than just the road. But Of I, course. But, but I'm not an engineer. We're going to bring someone on to talk about that. Uh, we're talking about the fact that northbound and southbound Pemina Highway between Jubilee and Stafford Street will be completely closed to traffic starting tomorrow night at 8 p.m. and it won't reopen until 4 a.m. Monday morning. It, of course, is all transit-related, specifically BRT. And to get more, we're joined by Transit Project Manager Jesse Crowder. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. All right, so let's explain to folks what's happening this weekend. Well, you just touched on the the major point. We're closing down the underpass this weekend, starting eight o'clock tomorrow night till late Sunday or early Monday morning, and uh, we're doing that so that we can demolish the the rail bridge that's there. That we've now moved the rail onto a new bridge just to the north, so that to taking out the old bridge will allow us to start construction on a new transway bridge over Pemina, and also to come back in next summer and finish our road work along along Pemina through the underpass. When you used the word demolish, I immediately thought of an explosion or some sort of, you know, equipment used dynamite for that. But that's probably not what's going to happen. Can you explain a little bit about how that'll work when you say demolish the rail line there? Yeah, well, we're not, unfortunately, I guess, not going to be using any dynamite or anything like that. But it's, uh, we are going to be taking it down. It's a complex thing, and we are closing it for safety and for efficiency, like you mentioned. But we do have back-to-back weekend closures coming because of the time frame and the, com- the complexity of the work. So just for safety and to not inconvenience and further extend the inconvenience into the week, we're doing it for two weekends in a row. So, Jesse, if I'm driving through there now, what is there? You've got the Jubilee overpass itself or underpass, depending on which side of it you're on. You've mm-hmm. got the old uh, CN bridge, which is the one you're taking out this weekend. You've got the new rail bridge, which is being used now. Is there anything else that's there? 
Uh, that's it for right now. And like I mentioned, we're going to take out that old rail bridge and we're going to replace that with a new bridge for the transitway. So how far away is this whole thing from being done from when I can just drive under that underpass and there is nothing going on? Well, after the second weekend closure, we're going to look at probably we're going to be opening up Pemina for the winter. And then after the project is done in about a year's time, we're going to be complete with our expansion of Pemina. So that'll be three lanes each direction with active transportation pathways on both sides. And when it comes to the transit line itself, it's kind of working. I don't want to use the word piecemeal, but different parts of it have, have construction going on it, depending on where you're looking. So is that on time in terms of getting that line finished from Osborne all the way to U of M? Yeah, we are on time. We're, like I say, about a year away from completion and then opening in spring of 2020. And like you mentioned, the, the corridor itself is about eight kilometers long. There's lots of activity, a lot of progress to date all along that corridor from Feminine Jubilee all the way to the new stations at the university. So, How much of the eight kilometers is done? Uh, roughly 75%. So, Jesse, the other question I had for you has to do with in the summertime, we're very used to that Jubilee underpass flooding when we have, you know, a lot of rain. And sometimes it doesn't take that much rain for it to flood. A big part of that pro- of this project is alleviating those issues, correct? Right. Yeah, we have a new pump station in place in a pond, but uh, until we can finish that road work in the underpass this coming summer, then we'll have the system fully up and going. But in the meantime, we always look at emergency measures, trying to keep it as dry as possible. You on budget? Yep. Quick and quick and short answer on time and on budget <laughs> so far. We like those answers, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Well, hey, Jesse Crowder, Transit Project Manager, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time and access. No problem. Thanks. So once again, northbound and southbound Pemina Highway between Jubilee and Stafford will be completely closed to traffic starting tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Won't reopen again until 4 a.m. Monday. And then we're going to do it again next weekend. And hopefully that will make things easier to get through there. Because how long has that been going now? Oh, yeah. Well, the first, the Osborne opened 20, it was, construction started on that in 2010, I think. And so we're by the time it's done, I think it's a 10-year phase in terms of getting it all complete. I, I want to point out, you can, I think, I think you'll be able to walk uh, across that area and also take your bike. They just might not be direct access. There'll be a bit of a detour. So it's just vehicular traffic that it's closed for this weekend in case you are out on a bike this win- in this cold weather. Lots of people still do and definitely mm-hmm. lots of people walking. Yeah, it looks like there's going to be uh, as well. Pedestrian and cyclist access will be maintained by a shuttle service with two pick off, pick up and drop off points. Uh, one of those points will be north of the underpass on the east side of Pemina Highway opposite Harrow Street and then south of the underpass on the east side at the Jubilee Avenue Yield onto Pemina Highway. So if you are a motorist that has to get through there, alternate routes like Osborne, Waverly, or even Keniston are the way you want to go. I can't wait for this to be done, not just because for transit users, but I drive through there often. And part of the problem during construction is not just it slows things down, but there's no painted lines there oh, right now. And I so mean, they've expanded it, but it used to be two and then it's going to three and it feels like it's four in some parts and it it, it sometimes feels like a free-for-all like everyone's just deciding I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this a lane here i go i would avoid that area like the plague 
before they started this construction. <laughs> so I can only imagine what it's been like for folks dealing with it for the last two, almost three years as they try and expand this. This is going to be, you know, short term. It doesn't feel like short term, but in the long run, this is going to be terrific for people. Never mind if you even care about the BRT, it's going to be great for people that use Pembina Highway. Easing some of the pain is that they've also done work uh, on northbound Pembina in terms of getting rid of the potholes and they repaved some oh, of yes. that. And so if you can get through the underpass without too much sweating and complaining, you're at least like, all right, kind of smooth right now. <laughs> nice. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. In a moment, we're going to talk about this headline. Should Canadian schools have more recess breaks? But Loren McNabb, just want to quickly mention that today marks uh, an important anniversary. Yeah, it's a national day of remembrance and action on violence against women. And it's kind of hard to believe. It's almost been 30 years since 13 female students at Ecole Polytechnique in Montreal were murdered by one lone gunman. Uh, that was in December 6, 1989. And so if you're at work today, you might, in your own workplace, uh, they may be holding uh, vigils or uh, moments of silence. Uh, flags sometimes get lowered on this day as well, but it's an important day to remark and we'll be talking through it about it throughout the day, just about how far we've come and how far we still have to go to reduce violence against women. So Mackling, should we have more recess breaks in school? Mm, they've altered the way my kids do recess and lunch breaks. They go out to play now before they eat. And my kids say that that has helped a little bit in terms of calming everyone down at lunchtime versus everybody kind of racing through their lunch, pretending that they've eaten their lunch so that they can rush outside. So they kind of get the carrot first versus the other way around. I don't know about you, but I always felt way more focused after phys ed than I did when I was thinking about phys ed that was happening in eight periods down the road, right? And I think more activity, I think we know this anecdotally, and there's probably research to back it up, that when your body is active, your mind is also much better prepared to accept what's happening in front of you. You're not, you're less distracted. But I also feel like there, I don't know, it feels like there's a lot of breaks in the day already in the classroom and the day is say 8.45 to 3.15 and there's already an hour for your lunch and your hour recess and two recesses. I just don't know where you would fit in more play and then have the same expectations for their learning. A lot of schools are going to a half hour lunch, half hour, 35 minutes, because just about all kids stay at school for lunch now. When right. we were kids, it was different. An hour was because you were going We home. had an hour and a half in my school because of the catchment area at Isaac Brock. Wow. So school started at nine, didn't end till four, but we had an hour and a half for lunch. So there is a school in Alberta that is stepping up the number of recesses, and we've got some audio on that. The principal of Bruderheim uh, School explains why the school decided to add two extra recesses. So last spring, we sat together as a staff and started talking about different ways that we could engage our students a little bit better, get their um, their focus in class a little bit more consistent and a little bit more academic rigor from them. And we've been doing a lot. I, I've been doing a lot of reading. I read a book by Pazzi Salberg called uh, "Finished Education," 
And in that book, they talked about recess. They talked about the value of activity and having active children in your school. And they actually had a timetable model that they shared in the book that had them going 45 minutes and then a 15-minute break. And so I met with the staff, and we looked at trying to incorporate that into our timetable for the year this year. Yeah, so we start school at 8.25. The kids are in class for an hour until 9.25, and then we have our first recess in the day. It's an instructional recess where the teachers actually head outside with the students. And what they do out there, they don't teach phys ed skills. Uh, they can organize a game if they wish, but they're basically out there to join in with the kids in their play to kind of set the tone for the day. And then they come back in after a 15-minute break, and they're in class for another hour. Then we have another 15-minute recess, which is more of your traditional style recess, where the students head outside. Then they're back in class for an hour. Then they have a lunch break, where they eat lunch for about 20 minutes. Then we go outside for another 15-minute recess. Back in for an hour, 15 minutes in the afternoon. Back in for an hour, and then the day is done at 3 o'clock. And Greg, I see that once again, Finland is worming its way into the conversation. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. This has been inspired by the Finnish education system, where every 45 minutes of classroom time must be followed by a 15 minute recess. And a lot of the education systems also have in place, it's essentially a half day for class instruction and the other half of the day is for your activities, whether it be music or sporting interests. I like that. And so this is a model that uh, seems to be working very well in that country. Their academic scores are not suffering. In fact, they feel that students are putting more effort into the academics because they only have to concentrate on them for for a shorter period of time. The challenge with recess in this climate, though, mm-hmm. is that putting on and off of all Takes that winter gear time, that the kids right? have to wear. So even in my kids' school, in the kindergarten class, which I thought was great, they had a morning recess like as soon as you dropped them off because you've already got your kids in all their winter gear. So they'd stay outside and play for 20 minutes and then do a kind of shorter indoor play time at that usual recess time just because at certain ages, like if you think about like getting their boots on and finding their mitts and they're lost and they can't find their toques, I just it's a lot to do to, to add another recess and have that expectation that they'd even get eight minutes out of that 15, I think is asking a lot of that younger elementary age. That's a great point. I never would have thought about that. I'm just having visions of the kid trying to get into his outfit in a Christmas story. You know, the one where he yes. can't even put his arms down. I can't even get my kids going in the morning on time and there's two of them, right? Because you're just like, what do you mean you don't know where your ski pants are? We we we, we lost our, we're on our third pair of mitts and it's no, not, what, we've had one snow? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. It's two more opportunities to lose mitts <laughs> and to lose toques. But I think this this has some merit. Because kids that are active and moving around are a lot more receptive to what's going on. I think we know this, but there is this hesitancy to try different things because it's not the way we did it before. You'll get educators that go, well, when I was in school, we didn't do it that way. Well, I think we need to get over a lot of that. You know what? We didn't have computers or tablets at our desks either when we were in class. But I think we're all realizing that it's an injustice to deprive our kids of those tools in their education. And can you imagine how parents felt when calculators became a thing back in the 1970s? Calculator, that's blasphemy. Use pen and paper and a pencil and and figure it out yourself. Things change. I don't have a problem with more playtime. I just, I can't figure out where you're going to squeeze it in unless I just got uh, one listener writing me to say, just add an extra hour to the school day and add more recess. I, I don't know if that's the answer either because you're just 
lengthening that day that we're, we're saying they're already tired within. If you can prove that those 45 minutes where they are in front of a teacher and there's some sort of lecture or lesson going on, if you can somehow prove that they're more attentive during that 45 minutes, then I, I think this, this bears, bears trying. Jeff Fortier. Do you have the name of the person who won the tickets to see Corey Hart? Oh, I sure do. Paula Ritchie. Paula Ritchie knew the answer to the question, what was Corey Hart's highest charting song on Billboard? And it was not Sunglasses at Night. It was Never Surrender. It peaked at number three. In 1985, whereas Sunglasses at Night peaked at number seven. Uh, See, I was going to say Sunglasses at Night. I couldn't read your face, though. Because I look grumpy all the time. Not all the time. Yeah, all the time. 97%. Okay, that's fair. You got 3% of just full kindness face. Occasional smile. So if you're able to put a number on that, Mm -hmm. and we can't put a number on how much more kids learn... When they're active? Well, I made my number I think, up. I, I, feel I, like the, I, think, I feel like if we're going to change the kids' school year, we need, like, real numbers, not me just throwing out 97% of the time. I was going to nominate you to do the study. All right, well. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.